The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through him, and without him nothing came to be. What came to be through him was life, and this life was the light of the human race. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came to be through him, but the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. But to those who did accept him, he gave power to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not by natural generation, nor by human choice, nor by a man's decision, but of God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we saw his glory. The glory is of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, The one who is coming after me ranks ahead of me, because he existed before me. From his fullness we have all received, grace in place of grace. Because while the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only Son. God, who is at the Father's side, has revealed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Your eyes got so big. Have you ever been happy? Yes? Now you're nervous. And what makes you happy? Your brother? No, his cousin. His cousin, okay. <laughs> Very good. And that's a great answer because oftentimes it is somebody else, not something, that makes us truly happy. And that is precisely what we celebrate today. And so you may not realize it, my young friend, but you are wise beyond your years. Because on this day, we celebrate a great joy, and it's not just an earthly joy, but a heavenly joy. When we hear about the birth of a Savior, the Word who has become flesh and dwelt among us, we hear in our Gospels something marvelous, that the child is born, the Son is given to us, 
He's placed in the manger. He opens his eyes. And he looks out on a world that he made. And as he does so, and he turns his eyes upward toward the sky, toward heaven, the angels themselves looking down upon earth, seeing the child break out into song. In fact, we just sang that song a little while ago. The prayer that goes, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill, is not a song that was ever written by men. It was composed by the angels who looked down upon the face of Christ on that night he was born for us. And the joy of heaven was so great, it spilled out and filled the earthly sky with song. And every time we use that prayer at Mass, we have the echo of Christmas, the song of the angels. And this is remarkable because ordinarily the angels only sing in heaven before the throne of God. But looking down from heaven on that day, where the light of the face of Christ first appeared for us. They sing of the glory of God here among us, here in this world. And as that joy spills over and animates all of creation, we recognize something remarkable. Because those words that we heard in our first reading are exactly true. And they speak of the newness that happens here. In ages past, God spoke to us through prophets, we hear. And that's a wonderful thing. But then we hear that something different has suddenly happened. That in this age, in this time, to us, God doesn't speak through prophets anymore because he speaks through his son. Someone who is greater than a prophet. In fact, he speaks to us through the one through whom he created the world. And what a remarkable thing that is because God creating the world by his word now gives us that word, his son, to be among us and to be with us. And this goes far beyond what the people of God expected. This goes far beyond what the people of God were looking for. They wanted salvation. They wanted rescue. They wanted freedom. They wanted rest. But they had no idea how great a gift God had prepared for them. Because he exceeds all of their expectations in this moment. Because here we celebrate the great mystery that the throne of God is not simply in a distant heaven far above us, but that God is pleased to make a throne for himself in a manger, in a stable, in our weakness, in our poverty, in our need, and that's where he will come to meet us. What a remarkable thing that is. This is not a king who says you need to get better before you can draw near to me because I will draw near to you where you are. 
What a remarkable moment this is, and I will draw near to you to lift you up. Because who is the one who is most able to receive joy? It's not the one who has it every day. Who is the one who is most appreciative of the ability to rest? It's not the person who never works hard and is never tired. Who is the person who is most appreciative of healing and goodness? It's the one who doesn't have them all the time. Note who he comes for. Note how he comes to us. And note what the Lord says. I'm as near to you. I am as near to you as the fact that you're tired. And I will give you rest real rest. I am as near to you as the fact that not everything goes right and goes well for you. And I'll meet you right there. That's how close as I am to you. In times past, God spoke through prophets who don't know us the way that the word does. But now he speaks to us through one who knows us better than we know ourselves who comes into our world and our lives as that one who first gave us life. That's the remarkably beautiful thing here. Even as the Lord has made us, and even as the Lord has called us into being, and even as the Lord holds us in being right now, he draws even closer to us to save us. And the experience of salvation is not simply an experience of relief. It's not simply an experience of being forgiven. It's experience of the joy of his nearness. Just like my young friend is happy because he's next to his cousin, the world and creation rejoices because the God that made it is now with it and enters into it. Imagine that morning, that first Christmas day, as the light of the sun breaks over the world, it breaks upon the one who created it in the first place. As the breeze moves through that stable, that moving air touches the body of the one who set it in motion all those centuries earlier. The entire world is changed by what we celebrate today. The entire universe is different because of what we celebrate today. Because the one who made it all has entered it. And why did he enter it? To be with you. To be with all of us. Note how wonderful this is. And where do we find him in Bethlehem? We find him as part of a family that knows hardship, as part of a family that struggles to make it work, as part of a family that doesn't always have enough. And yet, curiously, in that poor family in Bethlehem, there is a greatness and a wealth beyond anything the world has ever known. Because there the word is made flesh and dwells among us.
This is the day that the family is healed. This is the day that the family is made new. This is the day that the world in no small measure is made new and made different. Because on this day, the one who at the very beginning said, let there be light, and there was light, is among us, and the light of his presence now shines forth into the world. And it shines forth to soothe and to heal and to overcome all of those different forms of darkness that can weigh us down and afflict us. He is here to bring us the rest of his goodness so that the exhaustion of our labor doesn't overwhelm us and the anxieties of daily life don't overmaster us. What a remarkable gift this is, this gift of Christmas, which is the gift of his presence. The joy of Christmas is not merely a joy in something that's done for us. It's not merely a joy in something we receive. It is the joy that someone is with us. Someone is here for us. Someone who will not leave us. In fact, that curious expression, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, the word is literally, the word was made flesh and tabernacled among us. And a tabernacle in the ancient world was a tent. But isn't it interesting that we reflect on these things here in a church where we remember that the one who was born in Bethlehem quite literally still tabernacles among us. That, in fact, is why we call the repository of the Blessed Sacrament in the church a tabernacle. Because he does not desire to leave us. He has come to be with us, and with us he will remain. And note how wondrous that is today. Because on this day when the shepherds arrived and saw the Lord of glory with their eyes for the first time, and enjoyed the peace and the goodness of his presence, on this day we too get to do that. Our eyes physically won't see the face of the Christ child. We'll see the consecrated host. We'll see the chalice filled with the precious blood. But we will see him with the eye of faith. And note how wondrous it is. The word who came down from heaven and was made flesh for us will come down from heaven onto this altar today. Not simply in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, but here today, where you are and I am. And he comes down from heaven to this altar today, not for somebody else, but for you. Not to somebody else, but to you and to me to us who are here in this place. Note how wondrous that is. And all we need do is need him. All we need do is desire him. But he is here. And note how wonderful it is that just as on that first Christmas, the shepherds in their poverty and in their need on hearing the news that he was born, 
they moved because they needed to be with him. On that day, that first Christmas, when the star appeared in the sky, kings left their palaces because more important than their treasure and their palace was the one they had to see, the one that they had to be with. The mighty and the wealthy, the weak and the poor, the Lord calls them all to himself because no worldly wealth, no worldly power brings real happiness, real peace, and real salvation. And no worldly poverty, no worldly weakness is so great that the Lord cannot reach us and meet us there. What a marvelous day this really is. This is the day where the weak are made strong. This is the day where the poor are made rich. This is the day where the mighty are called to lowliness, that they too might be raised up into real goodness. What a remarkable day this is. And so it is on this day for us too, because the Lord's not going to rest on the altar. He's going to come down. He's going to be right here. And he calls us to himself. And we're going to come down these aisles to him. Note how similar it is. The world is on the move to where he is, and that is what we're going to do here in a couple minutes. We're going to get up, and we're going to come to him where he is. And we're going to hold out our hands to him. And he's going to give us himself. Note how marvelous that is. He doesn't come to sit in a manger and be with you. He comes to give himself to you. And that's what it really means to say, and he dwelt among us. Because he longs to tabernacle himself in your heart and your home and your family as well. He comes to remain with us so that we have that joy of knowing he's not with me some days. He's not with me once in a while. But the Lord who was born for us on Christmas Day has come, and indeed he has come to stay so that we will not be alone. What a great gift that is. That is what we stretch out our hands to today. What a remarkable gift that is. I am here for you, he says. Receive me. Be with me. And in receiving me, know the joy of my nearness. All too often we say Merry Christmas and it's an automatic thing. And that's fine. But when we really understand the source of the joy of this day and let that joy penetrate us and let that joy live within us, then we know the truth of what it is to say, Merry Christmas. Because we speak not a word of greeting in a worldly way. We speak out of a joy that has come to dwell within us and among us. And that indeed is the very greatest of things.
for the rest of the day today. And over the coming days, my friends, hold on to that joy. There's so much in the world that wants to take it away from you. There are so many reasons to let it aside. It's a lot easier to hold on to sadness and let sadness hold on to us. It's a lot easier to hold on to frustration and let frustration hold on to us. But it is a really great thing when the human heart knows how to receive joy and even more so, knows how to keep it. And that is what we're really called to today, to rejoice in his nearness, to let that joy fill us, and to learn to live with that joy. And what a great gift indeed that is. Amen.